Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. This show will begin shortly after these messages from our advertisers. Advertising is what keeps the show alive. Your support means they'll continue to advertise and the podcast will continue to be free. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you in bad pain? You know what I mean. Your knees hurt, your shoulder hurts, and your back. Oh my God, your back. They're constantly killing you. And I'm sure you've tried every pain pill or cream available at the drugstore. Am I right? Well, here is something you haven't tried. Pain Absolve. Pain Absolve is not available in any drugstore. The only way to get it is by calling today. We're so confident that it will work for you that we offer a free bottle with your purchase. No prescription needed. And best of all, each purchase comes with a money-back guarantee. Call now to find out how you can get Pain Absolve and get rid of your pain. Call 800-261-0783. That's 800-261-0783. 800-261-0783. Call today. 800-261-0783. Are you lacking a little something between paranormal and abnormal? You need the Into the Parabnormal store. Now open at parabnormalradio.com. From hoodies to shirts, accessories, and our digital music library, it's all available in the Into the Parabnormal store. Your purchase directly helps support the show. Thanks for buying from the Into the Parabnormal store at parabnormalradio.com. Here. The pilot encountered this object. It looked uh, like it had lights on it. This thing seemed to maneuver in a way that is unlike anything known to man. I don't show anything on radar. Oh, Wow, that's a remarkable question. It's a good question, Jeremy. I'm starting to really get a little creeped out here. Searching for the truth. You want answers! I want the truth! Expanding your consciousness. We're being contacted consciously. Pondering what could be. I think this is really a question of what is the reality that we're in. I mean, am I the only one seeing this? I mean, clearly I can't be off my rocker. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. Into the paranormal. Breaking news tonight on the program. We've got another strange incident in the air this time. Well, down in New Mexico, Ty Rogaway has been reporting on this story, who we've had several times on this program when there are these strange incidents. 
and they seem to be happening uh, more frequently these days. You know, it was December of this past year that we had that situation over the Midwest and then later the eastern United States. There was also an incident recently over in Australia that we talked about as well, and now we've got a new radar situation over the Cannon Air Force Base in New Mexico. So I want to welcome Tyler of The Drive and The War Zone on the program. Hi, Tyler. Hey, great to be back with you. Absolutely. It is a privilege. So, I mean, you get you always get the good stories here. I mean, we have another one of these cases of peculiar, to say the least, radar activity. You know, before it was encounters that pilots were having, having with craft, and now it seems that um, we're getting a lot of radar anomalies. What's your take on, on the state of, of this right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little confusing in that, you know, the use of chaff, which is like, can be either like foil packs um, or metallic strands of filaments that are used to basically blind radar um, on a tactical level. So, uh, you know, a F-16 that was painted by a, um, a Russian radar system, for instance, it would release shaft to confuse that radar and blind it from maintaining a lock so that way a missile can fly and destroy that airplane. Um, so it's a countermeasure. Um, but what's so odd is, you know, we've seen larger releases of shaft during certain exercises. Um, it happens a lot over the Gulf Coast um, in the Gulf region, but it's been like over the Midwest and over all different places. Maine is some of these places where there really isn't areas that we see a lot of military operations, uh, let alone massive, massive shaft clouds that aren't only dozens of miles or even hundreds of miles long. So this is like a ton of this stuff being pumped out at one time, but it also persists for hours and hours and hours and travels all over the place. So this is definitely something that we've are at least noticing more than ever. Um, and exactly why this is happening, we really don't know at this point. But in this case, the latest incident over New Mexico, have we been able to locate any aircraft that this may have come from? No. So I, you know, I re- reproduced the, you know, the flight traffic in the area at the time um, using some software I have. Uh, that, and that tracks commercial and, you know, general aviation aircraft. And there was nothing in there like a, a commercial platform that's used for testing by a military contractor or anything like that that would do this release. But Cannon Air Force Base, which is just like basically right below where this happened, is a master um, special operations, uh, Air, Air, uh, Air Force Special Operations Command base. So there they have AC-130 gunships, MC-130 um, transports. CV-22 Osprey uh, transports, and so on. So they definitely have aircraft that, that release chaff and and have that capability. But the reasoning why they wouldn't, they would release so much in a, such a large string isn't explained. And I reached out to Cannon and said, hey, you know, let's just, let's just kind of dispel some rumors and, you know, just let me know what happened here, you know, why this was done. And uh, they never... They never got back to me after the first initial contact. So it's still kind of a mystery as to why it happened. But the major point is, is this is just another and a longer string of these events that are happening over areas that traditionally we didn't see much of this activity. 
Yeah, so can you walk us through the details of this latest incident, uh, when it happened and, and whatnot? Yeah, so it happened on March 5th, um, and I think it was around noon. So midday, there's a lot of air traffic in the area. And we don't have an altitude of what this aircraft was flying because we only saw the shaft, and we don't have an altitude on that shaft. So um, it just shows up on NextRad weather radar in the area. And so over a couple-hour period of time, this was released, and it, it went from east, excuse me, west of Cannon Air Force Base by maybe 50 or 100 miles, or excuse me, about 50 miles. And then it, it progressed and was basically ended up being – you know, dozens of miles long, and then blowing into Texas next door. So this was a really thick and concentrated pattern. Um, and so also with that, uh, usually the winds up high, the jet stream is going to be moving fairly fast. So my, my best guess was this was kind of a medium or lower altitude release because we didn't see it disperse as much as we do over hours as we have with other ones um, that happen more often like in the gulf coast in the gulf coast i mean we just that like we just in the last week we've seen releases that are just massive and waves and waves of shaft that cover the entire radar picture go and always head from the gulf coast down through key west and beyond now that is the reason for that they do tons of training and testing out over the Gulf Coast, the, the United States Air Force and the Navy. Um, and that includes missile defense uh, testing for missile systems and radar systems. So obviously they're going to use shaft for that. Um, but like I say, just over the mid, the middle part of the country, um, this was near Cannon Air Force Base, but why they would need to release basically an, an aircraft's entire shaft load right over the base is odd to me. Odd as well, and the frequency of these events as well. Now, the chaff uh, or shaft uh, covering such a big area and lasting for such uh, a long time, is that something, uh, I guess, that is typical uh, when, when these aircraft release this? Uh, and what we're talking about is this, you know, uh, kind of aluminum or metallic objects, sometimes fiberglass objects right. being put into the sky. Well, it's changed because it used to be like almost packs of foil at a certain period of time um, that it would that aircraft would release, um, which didn't have the ability to hang up in the air so long. But it's changed. You know, there's different types of this stuff um, that's used for different applications, and uh, and basically it can be like you said, filaments that are metallic in nature, um, strings like very thin wiry strings even that are used for this so with that in mind it's it, it, it apparently it stays up quite a long time and we've at least recently with whatever they're using now this stuff hangs around and hangs around It'll, and it can be on radar for hours and hours as it moves so it's not like it's a transient effect where you know an aircraft releases a flare for instance and the flare ignites and then it falls away and burns out it stays around and if the the more the higher it's released usually and the more powerful the winds the more it spreads so you can have this affect radar over a massive area, I mean, states-wide, uh, uh, f- full regions. And so we're seeing a lot more of it, and, and, it, and it's odd. And we can't, in the past, like with the, with the event that happened over the Midwest, you know, the Air Force did get back to us and finally told us that a C-130, I believe, out of like South Carolina or whatever, just randomly decided to drop its full shaft load over, I believe it was Ohio, on its way back from Nellis Air Force Base for an exercise. 
I've never heard of that before. People that I'm in contact with that work on those platforms, that was kind of new to them too. So why it decided to do it then and there is odd. Um, but they did give it a, you know, gave us a reason, okay? The stuff that we saw just after that over Maine, for instance, where there really isn't any activity up there, you know, it's, that's a very strange place to have anybody doing flying. There's not really the military operating areas that you get used like we see even over the Midwest where they can close airspace down for training. That was a massive release release up there. And we went to the to the Air Force every level that we could figure out in the Air National Guard to try to find, hey, what airplane was up there and why were they releasing all this? And they just they just could not get an answer. So like I say, it's it's not we understand what it is we just don't understand the reasoning behind it, its release um, all the time. And like you said, this frequency of it being used so much is, is somewhat puzzling. The frequency and maybe the composition of, and then of course the reasoning for that. And as you know, Ty has said, we really don't know. We can we can only speculate uh, on the reason for that. Now, radio recordings seemingly um you would think if this activity was going on would 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 somehow mention that but uh, from the communication center there i understand there was no mention of this release yeah when it comes to historical radio coverage for faa communications um you know it's it's not a hundred percent of the area you know so like this area the upper upper altitudes would have been controlled by albuquerque center and we have the main Albuquerque Center frequency, but there are other areas that have other frequencies that are ran with Albuquerque Center that sometimes we don't have recordings of. So it's not 100% as in we don't hear anything about it. Somebody's saying, hey, this is, you know, Town 3-1. I need to dump some chaff. Heads up. Uh, you know, I'm going to do it in this area. Okay, you're approved. Go ahead and do it. We don't hear anything like that. It's not to say that it didn't happen and that there wasn't communications. We just don't have recordings that say, okay, that's what it was. At least we can use that as um, as a clue or as more evidence to look deeper into this sort of this anomaly. Tyler, anything else uh, we need to know about this incident? No, I think it's cool. One thing that I tell your your listeners is, you know, download the radar app. There's a bunch of different like radar apps for the phone. They're free. You can see like when you look in the area, really high de- definition areas of what the red, uh, radar weather is, is or what the the uh, weather radar is seeing at any given time so it's kind of fun if you have it take a look and you might see some of this in fact i'm getting them all the time from people that are sending me different ones so you know it's kind of a fun thing to keep an eye out for and uh you know maybe you didn't realize there's some military activity in your area and this is one telltale sign of it awesome thank you ty for coming on the program really appreciate it hey great being here thanks so much All right, so if you have any questions or comments about what you have just heard about this trend, 855-790-8255, toll-free in North America, or 503-506-0396 outside North America, and ITP51 on Skype. You know, I wonder if, you know, as we are getting more and more of these cases, whether or not this actually might not be from an aircraft all right so follow me here's here's a well a possibility that i don't think i've ever brought up on the program as much as we've been talking about this kind of stuff and that is that maybe this is not coming from an aircraft maybe there are 
Well, I don't know. Maybe it seems it would be a lot easier to conceal an object in the space that didn't require, you know, all the tracking that goes along with putting a plane in the air, you know, and the reports that go along with it and the air traffic control. And it may also explain why there were no communications on air traffic control because there wasn't an actual aircraft in the sky. Could have been a drone, could have been a balloon of some sort, could have been something that we just can't see because they hide it so well, or maybe it it camouflages itself, and maybe that is what is releasing this substance into the air. I don't know. All of these are very good ideas. Colby on the uh, the Facebook group mentioned that the possibility of these could be military experiments in revealing cloaked craft, and I love, I love, well, that comment right there because it goes along with what I've been saying that obviously there is some cloaking or camouflaging or concealing, whichever term you want to use, going on in our airspace, and whether it's the military um, or otherwise. Kurt also mentioned about whether or not they're hiding something, and it certainly does appear that they are hiding something, uh, and that maybe they are changing the composition of this, which is exactly what Tyler hinted on there. And so if this is not coming from aircraft, or if it is coming from aircraft, what might be the reasons for that? Uh, Are they concealing this technology from us? Is Colby right on about that? Do you have a theory or a comment about this? 855-790-8255, toll-free in North America, or 503-506-0396 outside North America, and ITP51 on Skype. Because here's another one of those cases, again, over New Mexico, happened with just in the past few days, and the first reports, like I would imagine, come from Tyler's, uh, great scooping of the story, and then you see other publications jump onto it, and the good ones give him credit for it, but there are still people out there who will just take the story of, as their own and will not give Tyler the credit. Um, so he's the guy to talk to about this this type of stuff, and, and he's not a UFO guy. Uh, he is not a UFO guy, and he'll tell you that, you know, and he's not wanting to perpetrate something that may not exist. And that is very advantageous, if you ask me. So I don't know what's going on here. Those are the theories according to yours truly. And uh, that's all I really have to say about that. If uh, If you just take a look at all of these cases... The ones that we've outlined over the couple of months, those here in the United States, and even that radar anomaly down in Australia, in Sydney, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's really taken the place of the sightings that pilots are having with with lights in the sky. And I don't know if maybe those aren't happening as much, or maybe they realized that whatever they were doing in the airspace was getting too much attention, and they decided to do something else, meaning 
something that wouldn't attract as much attention and uh, could be explained uh, that it's not aircraft, it's not a UFO because it's not appearing on radar. But, of course, you have UFOs that don't appear on radar and yet are seen in the space as well. Have you watched Project Blue Book on the History Channel? And you, you can't immediately answer me back. But if you haven't watched Project Blue Book on the History Channel, borrow a login, do something, subscribe, get it however you can, watch it. It's like 10 episodes, I believe. Uh, it following the real life work of Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And it is absolutely done well. And they've, in the first couple of episodes, have had encounters with lights in the sky. And in some cases, they, they find out what it actually was and try to say it was not a UFO. But the more and more that they look into it, they start to realize that not all of these can be explained. Which furthers my point that just because you can explain one or two or three of these cases doesn't mean you can explain the bulk of them. And yeah, if you play with that radar app, uh, report to me. I, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to know uh, what kinds of stuff you find there on that radar app. And I'm loving that this information is becoming public because you know. Give the power to the people. Information information is crucial in this day and age. And uh, you just got to make sure you're getting the information, of course, from the right place. You know, that is still a problem in today's day and age. Tonight on the program, John Jeter is out again. In his absence, though, we have got, well, we've got some top-name talent hosting Paranormal News tonight. That is for sure. Uh, it is no joke. It's it's not me doing the news, <laughs> uh, but we do have we do have a very special guest hosting our news tonight, and you'll just have to stay tuned to see who we're going to pull the curtain back on and reveal as tonight's special guest host of Paranormal News. I just I love to tease you, and of course, after you get done with this program, you're going to lose an hour. So make sure you spring forward. You know I. I'm going to lose an hour of my weekend. I just moved last weekend, so we're in the new studio. I don't know if you can tell the difference or not. I, I think it sounds the same to me. It might be a little bit more hollow. There might be more of an echo where I'm at. I'll have to listen back to it, and, and we'll tweak that in future weeks if we if we need to install some sort of cushioning here in the studio. I feel like my voice is bouncing off the wall, but maybe that's just because I talk loud. I don't know. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the subject material of the Akashic Records. And if you're not familiar with the Akashic Records, I think you'll enjoy where we're going to bring that conversation to tonight. And also, we've got a pinch hitter in our final hour of the program. We'll tell you about that guest later on. We're going to be talking about the aliens from Atlantis. Uh, our regularly scheduled guest will be joining us in, in future weeks. And of course... Uh, it is now official. I can say uh, the the uh, live broadcast down at the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside, Oregon, will be happening on Saturday, the 30th of this month, so three weeks from tonight, Saturday, March 30th, 6 to 9 Pacific, 9 to midnight Eastern. Our normal broadcast time will be live down there 
And looking at the panel, we've got an amazing lineup of guests that we'll be talking with. We'll have a live studio audience asking questions. We'll be doing some panel discussions as well. And then we'll do our two-hour final Sunday of the month special at a special broadcast time of 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern on March 31st. That's down at the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside. And then once we get uh, done with that broadcast, we're going to we're gonna keep the bag packed because we'll be going to the McMinimins UFO Fest in May. We're going to be out at the Blue Mountain Bigfoot Fest in Baker City in June. And of course, the Oregon Bigfoot Festival happening in Troutdale, Oregon in August and uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring you some good shows over the the next couple months with uh, speakers that you you may not hear otherwise, and speakers that that don't do a lot of public appearances. But we're wrangling them up for those special events, and want to thank everybody, those fine organizers at all of those events, for inviting me to be a part. Um, I really do appreciate that. So we'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll be joined by Maureen. Saint Germain, our first guest on the program tonight. I'm Jeremy Scott from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. Into the Paranormal is streaming 24-7 on the TuneIn Radio app and at ParanormalRadio.com. It's the nightmares, Nick. Michael, the cellar's dark. Your room's dark. Everything's dark at night. Pretty soon we'll turn off all the lights and it'll be dark everywhere. You really like the dark, don't you, Michael? You can be yourself in the dark. But you know, there's one dark place that we have to be very careful in. Do you know where that is? Don't miss the 8th Annual Oregon Ghost Conference at the Seaside Civic and Convention Center on the Oregon Coast, March 29th to 31st. It's the Northwest's largest paranormal convention, attracting visitors from all across the West Coast and beyond. The Oregon Ghost Conference is a jam-packed weekend filled with speakers, courses, haunted tours, and paranormal investigations. Into the Paranormal will be there broadcasting live on Saturday and Sunday. For tickets and more information, go to OregonGhostConference.com. So you want to listen to us on your favorite app? There's an app for that. Into the Paranormal has apps. And best of all, they're free. <laughs> listen to the show on Paranormal Radio from TalkStream Live, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Radio.net. Have an Alexa device? Into the Paranormal from TuneIn. You can also hear us by making a call to 701-719-9703 or on any of our affiliates at ParabnormalRadio.com. This is Parabnormal News. I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings. A star that dims even more than Tabby's star? Better stop the presses. Astronomers have discovered a star just 440 light years from Earth that dims by as much as 80% for nearly a day at a time. That's four times as dim as the find in 2015. So where is all of the talk of an alien megastructure? Researchers are pondering just about everything but that. From a red dwarf star to dust moving in front of the star as some of the possibilities. I call this enemy the sun. Since the beginning of time, man has yearned to destroy the sun. I will do the next best thing. Block it out. 
Harvard scientists have a bold plan to block out the sun by launching a balloon in the southwest United States that releases small particles of calcium carbonate. The Stratospheric Controlled Perturbation Experiment, or SCOPEX, will be the first real attempt to control the temperature on Earth through geoengineering in an effort to impact climate change. The $3 million project is partially funded by Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates. The balloon could begin spewing shock into the air sometime this spring. Read these stories and more at ParabnormalRadio.com. And for John Jeter, I'm Ryan Gable, Parabnormal News. For any event, there is an infinite number of possible outcomes. Our choices determine which outcomes will follow. But there is a theory that all possibilities that can happen do happen in alternate quantum Alien visitations make for another extraordinary Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Come get me. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Well, imagine living a vibrational field that stores all possible futures, the past and the present. Well, it's known as the Akashic Records, a vast domain of energetic imprints, much like a movie library. Tonight, we're going to explore the Akashic Records with Maureen St. Germain, the founder of Transformational Enterprises and Akashic Record Guides International. She is an internationally recognized teacher, an intuitive author, musician, and producer of more than 15 guided meditation CDs and four books. Her latest deals with this particular subject titled Opening the Akashic Records, Meet your record keepers and discover your your soul's purpose. It's a privilege to have you. Welcome into the Paranormal Marine. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you and your delightful audience. Oh, well, thank you. They are quite delightful. <laughs> I, I will second that. Well, let's start, let's start with um, how this all comes together. I mean, it, it really starts kind of as soon as our soul begins, doesn't it? Yes. Well, everything has a record. So um, the earth has records and um, we have records. So it does begin when our soul begins. But keep in mind that might go back many lifetimes. Um, I personally think that the opportunity to get this information is the big deal, not the fact that you have many lifetimes that you could access, but the fact that you could access information that you need so you can be a better person, so you can have soul growth. And it's very exciting because it really helps people. It helps them see things that they didn't see or couldn't see or didn't want to see. Every thought, every word, every action, every desire, every emotion, all of that stuff. Yes, and and the thing is, when when we go in the records, uh, you're you're not looking to hear every little detail. What you're looking for is the answer to a question. What you're looking for is the ability to solve problems, 
uh, relationships, issues, health issues, and so on. So you don't just ask, well, tell me what happened on such and such a day. I mean, I've never gotten information like that, and anybody I know has not either. So, you know, it is true that everything's there, but it's compiled in a way that it's a resource. You know, just like when you go to a research library, it gives you, sometimes you find a book that's got the resource of the data that somebody did. The research, you don't get the actual spreadsheet and the data, you get the data set that gives people the information they need to to know what they need to know. Maureen, where is this information stored? Um, It exists in the 11th dimension. And the 11th dimension is a vibrational data set that is different than what you and I usually spend our time in. You and I are usually in third to fifth. And the 11th dimension is a place of ideas and concepts. And it is a specially, uh, I'll use the word earmarked, part of that vibration. So the Akashic Records are not the only thing that is occurring in the 11th dimension. Um, I described all that in my book, Waking Up in 5D, that came out a year and a half ago. And the, um, the thing to understand is we're not going through the dimensions to get there. We're, we're actually using like a tunnel or a wormhole. So we go from where we're at. And I teach people how to become fifth dimensional and stay there so that when they go into the 11th dimension, it's easier. Because in 3D, we're polarized. We have ideas about good and bad, right and wrong. And when we slide into 5D, it's a blissful state where we're not judgmental. And we get it that we're part of a bigger system and that I'm part of you and you're part of me and that I'm part of the earth and I care about the earth. When we don't think that we're part of the earth, it's easy to make a decision to cut down a tree. But when we realize we're part of the earth, then we think twice. Maybe we can work around the tree. You know. Yeah, so getting to the 11th dimension uh, probably is the challenge for most of us to access our Akashic records. No, because you're not getting to the 11th dimension. That's what I was trying to explain. You don't have to get to the 11th dimension. You, you actually go through the um, portal that exists between where we are now and the 11th dimension. So it's like a wormhole or a shortcut. You're not going through all the dimensions and I'll use the word earning the right to be there. The right was granted as a dispensation because humanity is at the end of an age, end of a cycle. And it's important for people to understand that we're all waiting on ourselves, on each other to catch up. And I like to say that humanity has um, not caught up with its intellect so our humanity and our um, industrial age are not at parity because we can do things that allow us uh, you know to manipulate our environment to manipulate things around us but we don't have the integrity or the spirituality to go with it so our spirituality and our our um, in science haven't uh, state at parity. And I'll, I'll make an example so I'm really clear about this. If a man owns a company that makes, you know, a certain kind of crackers or bread or whatever that's really good, and they discover that a food additive they've been using is causing sickness and 
right now, man's humanity has not caught up with his technology because right now, if he has to make a decision, he's going to keep making the crackers. If his humanity and his his spirituality are at the same level, he's going to recognize that he doesn't want people to be harmed and he's going to choose to find a replacement for that additive or, or get rid of it. And it will be a no-brainer. It's, a, it's an easy decision. So that's what I mean when I say our integrity hasn't caught up with our humanity or humanity hasn't caught up with our spirituality. It's a way to help us understand that a lot of the decisions that we make today are based upon our belief system that is out of date because we have the technology to do certain things, manipulate in the earth, manipulate you know, in minds or whatever, and at the same time, we're not practicing the spirituality that recognizes that the earth and all thereupon are part of a bigger whole system and that they're interdependent. But in order to have success, you really have to, you know, get to the fifth dimension or at least understand how to get to the fifth dimension. Well, in, in the system that I teach, that is true. I like people to be at a place where they are not judgmental and in order to – first of all, anybody can get in the records. There's no rule that says you can't be in the records. There is exactly the opposite. It has been Everyone has been empowered to get in the records. And there are people who spontaneously get in the records. What we're doing is – what I'm doing is teaching people a system that allows them to accurately get in the records. I'm teaching them tools to know that they are accurately getting in the records. And I'm also teaching them tools to start from fifth dimension so that they have a much greater chance – of the purity of the information so that they can um, really get it. Uh, you know, the, the, the purity of the information is, is something that's very profound. And people find themselves using words uh, when they open the records that they don't normally use. They're in their vocabulary, but they don't normally use them. Um, and, and also they find ways to um, explain things that, you know, otherwise... You, you wouldn't be able to explain. Um, and, you know, when you're in the records, one of the big things that happens is you get to have a interdimensional experience. And what I mean by that is I'll give you an example of a woman who opened the records for herself. And she was concerned about the fact that she had an adult daughter who was still at home. The two younger siblings had already moved out and were on their own. The daughter was 35. She had a trust fund. Everybody was well provided for and she still had not moved out. And the mom was feeling kind of frustrated. She was a widow and really wanted to have her own time, her time to herself. And so she asked, you know, what, what could be done? And she'd been praying about this for a long time anyway. And her guidance on her prayer work was, well, you know, you got to be more patient. you got to be more understanding. But when she was in the records, the record keepers told her that her daughter was afraid. And then they let her feel the fear that her daughter felt. And she came out of that with this awe that she understood why her daughter was resisting. And then the record keeper said, and this is the thing about working with the record keepers, they give you advice. They give you information that's related to what you're asking about that will help you do a better job. And in this case, they said to her, she will always be there for you. And that had never occurred to her. You know, in the West, we don't expect our children to you know come and take care of us we 
are grateful when they do. But it's not like it is in Asia where your children are expected to look after the aging parents. So when she heard this, it made her uh, feel so much emotion and and you know, she started to cry and uh, when she called me to tell me what happened it was it was very poignant because now she understood that her daughter was trying to figure out how to not be afraid and was working through that but her pressuring her was not going to help it because it was a problem that the mother couldn't fix the daughter had to fix it herself and within a very short period of time they they worked it out and you know, now five years later, the daughter has moved out. So it's it all worked all worked out. For those who may not understand the significance of the Akashic records, can you help us explain a little bit more about that? <coughs> yes. So the Akashic records are a library of all the things that you have done, all the actions you've taken, all the relationships you've had in this lifetime and other lifetimes and it also holds potential futures in the sense that whatever you're thinking about you are funding like you would fund your trust fund and when you quit funding it with your thought or your emotion or your ideas then those memories fade and drop off kind of like when you're working on a word doc and then you decide to start over or you're working two different documents and then you realize that first draft just wasn't right and you started a second one completely fresh you end up with throwing away that first document it doesn't even exist anymore so potential futures are out there so there are what i will call a limited number of potential futures because the potential futures have to be funded by you or created by you in order for them to exist in the records so the records aren't dictating to you you are dictating to the records now it is true that you can be influenced by the records but only because you get information like the mother i just told you about that you didn't have before and so now you're a different person you're more compassionate you're more loving because you get it you know i mean how many times has somebody been late to a meeting and you know you're you're going to growl at them for for holding you up and then they tell you they were in a car accident or their mother died or some wacky thing and You think, oh my gosh, you know, don't worry about it. So it's a little bit like that. The knowledge changes you, but it it isn't the actual records that are changing you. Does that make sense? Well, in that case, it has an incredible amount of significance because it literally could change our lives with this information. Absolutely. And that is why it's important. Now, I I want to point out something, Um, you know. I, I give this metaphor as a way for people to begin to understand, but think of a family going on a, a, a family picnic and they're going to go to the park and have a concert and, and have a nice afternoon and evening. So they, you know, round up all the kids and they finally get the baby in the baby seat and then the teenager that is still playing video games doesn't want to go. So they have a little hassle with that and they finally get him settled in and now they're finally ready to go. Then they stop at the deli and they pick up the lunch that they're going to have. And they maybe go on the scenic route. So they see some beautiful scenery on the way. And they, you know, they're trying to create this family environment and everybody's having a nice time. Then they get to the park and everybody plays and they lay out the picnic and everybody has their nice meal. And then the concert starts and they have a nice time listening to the concert. But when it's time to go home, they pack up and they get in the car and they take the fastest way home and they're home very quickly 
And that's where we're at. We're at that stage where we're headed home. And we're headed home in the sense that we're stepping out of this game of polarity, this 3D game of polarity, and we're moving into a new way of being. And we need data to help us make that transition in an easier way and a more loving way and a more generous way. And one of the ways to do that is to get all of our whys answered. So, you know, why did my brother do this? Or why did my mother say that? Or, you know, why is my husband doing this? And it really helps because when you begin to get real information about certain things, it's absolutely amazing. I was in the records the other day and I was asking about a very specific thing that I was um, interested in. And (laughs) before they ever answered the question, they said, we want you to get more rest. We want you to get more uh, quiet time. We want you to spend more time meditating. And I actually asked the question a second time after I described everything else they had said. Um, and the other thing I want to say about all this, and this is the amazing part, is because of the dispensation and because of the training, I'll call it the driver's ed to get into the, into the program, people are amazed at how easy it is and how you know, absolutely amazing the information is. It can't be refuted. People don't talk that way, the way they write in the records. And that's how you know you're in the records because of the way the words come through. So that's very, very powerful. Or can um, you share some of the historical evidence with us? Sure. Um um, but but before I do, I want to help you um, understand what I was talking about with these uh, answers that come through a person. And these are like the first questions that people are asking. This is not an experienced student that I'm quoting. And she asks her, you know, her own guidance, you know, uh, what is the meaning of why? And the answer is why is the key that unlocks light and information. This is a way to ask about the meaning and the causes of things. But then in the records, she asks the same question. Is why important? Why is the meaning of all which you cannot fathom is at present? But it's okay. Don't worry about it. Why is the opposite of understanding? Once you have understanding, you know why. Now, there's no way anybody would talk to themselves that way. And when you begin to fathom that, then you begin to realize how phenomenal this gift is. So historically, the uh, records have been referred to as the Book of Life. And it's only been in the last century that, that this phrase, the Akashic Records, has come forward. And it came forward mostly through the work of Edgar Cayce, who existed in the 40s. And he was probably the most documented psychic in America. And he went into a trance and was able to acquire information about a subject, a person who could be sitting in front of him or could be miles away. And when he was asked, where does this information come from? He said, from the, the, the field around the person, the person's energy or the, and or the Akashic records. Now, there are some people who will say the Akashic records are in your DNA. And I was shocked when I heard that. So I asked the record keepers myself, what, you know, what's the deal? And they said, well, think of it as the local library and the main library. The local library might have some resources that's directly related to you, that's very, very focused on you. 
But the big library is the main event, and that's uh, where people are going. So now the book of life, that phrase, is found in the Old Testament, I don't know, many times. And so the benefit of, of beginning to understand that is to, and also other world traditions have also referenced this idea of the book of life. So the book of life is a way for people to begin to understand that the records have existed almost as long as creation. And the reason I say almost as long is because when creation occurred, the records did not occur. But when creation occurred and it was realized that it would be beneficial to have a, quote, official record, then they were created to house and store energetically this information. So it's a little bit like deciding to keep a family album. You know, you have a family and you've got all these pictures and then you think, gee, wouldn't it be nice? And the other thing to think about is you and I, might, it's like the nine blind men and the elephant. You and I have one vantage point, you have another vantage point, and all our listeners have their own vantage points. And the records have what I would call this 360 complete spherical version of what has happened or what's going on, which allows us to see what we did not see before. Maureen, we we don't need to go into a trance like Edgar Casey did. So how how can we access this information? Uh, I guess, and the easiest uh, explanation you can give. The easiest explanation I can give is to um, do the prayer that um, we teach to um, help you get in the records, and then do the practice. You know, the the book takes you through the process. Um, I certainly teach classes and people, a lot of people prefer to be in a class and there's a huge benefit to being in a class because you can hear what other people have to say. But what I've done in this book is not only teach you the method, but then I've given you examples of people's answers so you can compare your answers to somebody else. So you learn a simple prayer. Now the first thing I want to, I want to comment about that is when I first heard about using a prayer to go into the records, I dismissed it. And you might too, or your listeners might do say, that's stupid. That's a dumb thing. That's not possible. And I'm here to tell you it is. And I didn't believe it until I did it. And it's almost as if we're asking permission. (laughs) Say it again. Do you think it's as if we're, we're asking permission? Well, We are asking permission, and in fact, you do need to ask permission. And that goes back to this whole idea, anybody can get in. I I got asked one time by one of my students in China, well, if anybody can get in, what's to keep the thief from accessing the records and, you know, using that information in a bad way? And I started to laugh, and I said, well, the thief has a certain energy, and his, his or her energy will limit their ability to get information. So it's not really a problem because... You only get access to what you're capable of comprehending. So you're not going to be able to comprehend anything that's going to give you an unfair advantage over somebody else unless it's to love them more. And that's actually going to improve people's lives anyway. So, um, it's you know, it's, it's like learning to play the piano. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't learn a language overnight. You have to practice. 
And that's that a very important part of it. But from the beginning, you can get in the records, and that's the astounding part. All right, we'll continue our conversation with Maureen St. Germain after the top of the hour. I'm Jeremy Scott, traveling with you somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. 855-790-8255, toll-free in North America, or 503-506-0396, outside North America. You can also join in at ITP51 on Skype. We'll be back right after this. Connected with us on social media, give us a like and follow at Paranormal Show. Jonathan Messer created a universe with the flip of a 67-cent Radio Shack switch. Paradox, the debut time travel thriller from E.G. Rowley. After being pulled unconscious from his burning home, Jonathan embarks on an incredible universe-spanning adventure while battling two warring factions, one determined to control his invention, the other bent on its ultimate destruction, fueled by painful memories. John is focused on only one goal, save his family, no matter the cost. E.G. Rowley draws on his degree in applied science and his love of science fiction to create a dazzling, mind-bending adventure that will challenge the reality of the very universe you live in. Available at egrowley.com in paperback, audiobook, and all-new Jump Cart Audio, exclusively from Jump Master Press. Paradox from E.G. Rowley. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Audible, with over 180,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Play them on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, and on more than 500 devices. Audible is offering you the opportunity to check out their service for free. When you go to audibletrial.com slash parabnormal, you'll get a free audiobook to download and a 30-day free trial. A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash parabnormal. as close to the speed of light as the radio waves will allow without frying ourselves. We're accessing our Akashic Records tonight with Maureen St. Germain, author of Opening the Akashic Records, Meet Your Record Keepers, and Discover Your Soul's Purpose. Her website is Maureen St. Germain with no E on the end.com. We do have her linked up at parabnormalradio.com. Now, back to the subject material tonight. 
the Akashic Records. Sometimes when we're trying to open our Akashic Records, well, there's these energies that seem to get in the way. Maureen, how can we how can we work our way through that? I highly recommend clearing work. There's all kinds of clearing work. This, the one people are most familiar with is using sage, and they use it around themselves. I use a stainless steel knife in the same way. I have a YouTube video about it. It's very easy to do, and you make an invocation to Archangel Michael to clear these energies away. Um, there can be discarnates. There can be emotional energies. There can be um, interference from you know, energies that don't belong here in the first place. And that absolutely stands in the way of getting good information or accurate information or sometimes getting in the way of getting in. And so one of the ways that we deal with it is we actually do clearing work, you know, just like you wash your hands before you sit down to eat or you um, um, wash your hands before you do anything, that, you know, you're going to put your hands to your mouth. So clearing work is like, pivotal and that's one of the things that i feel very strongly about um a lot of teachers of the akashic records do not teach that clearing work is important and they don't really feel that it has any impact but i am one of a few teachers that have figured this out and are determined to help people get clear and and the clearing work gets you clear whether you are um going in the Akashic Records or not. It changes your life. I'll tell you an example of a woman that I was close with and I didn't live in the city she lived in and when I went for a visit I noticed that she had an abnormal anger that I had never seen in her before and you know the slightest thing she would escalate and you know grab your arm and squeeze really hard and and do things that were totally out of character for her and I checked in with my own guidance and thinking what is going on with this person and I got that she needed clearing and I actually knew that the the daughter of her best friend who had passed early and was angry at God because she was dying young had moved into this woman and she was still angry now why do people why does somebody who died move into somebody else? And it's because they've got unresolved uh, issues and they want, they need a body to express it. Because when you don't have a body, you can't have emotions. You can't have a mental body to sort all that through. So you're just stuck with what you created. So she, um, I cleared her and uh, she went back to normal. And she said she felt like a black cloud had lifted from her. And she said, I don't even believe in the stuff you do. But she let me do it and that was that. Sound like she was uh, possessed by a demonic entity. Well, I don't like the word possessed. I call it cohabitation because truly a person is truly in charge of themselves. And possession is a whole other another animal at a whole other degree. And I see these cohabitations frequently. The most common one is someone who has cared for their parents or their elderly parents pass. And then the parents move into the adult son or daughter for a number of reasons. Number one, maybe they're worried about them. Number two, they might be afraid to go home to God. Uh, number three, they may have an agenda. They want to know why they were so good to them or why they were so bad to them, depending upon what, what happened. So those are the reasons that, that um, a family member moves in. Now, when you go to a hospital or you're out in a crowd or in the mall or wherever particularly places where people do pass, you know, think of, of, of uh, rest homes or 
I guess they call them assisted living now. Those places are filled with souls who haven't figured out where to go or they haven't taken their opportunity. Think of the movie Ghost. And when Patrick Swayze was given the chance to go into the light, he hung around. It's kind of like that. So a lot of times the souls that are hanging around aren't mean or, you know, full of hate or hateful, but they've got some agenda they need to express. And they're going to stand in the way of you having a direct contact because they know you'll, that they'll get cleared out. And they're afraid to go on to the next thing, whatever it is. You know, I knew someone whose uh, father passed, and the father had emphysema and it was on oxygen. And she came home and called me and said, "My, you know, he just passed, and she was having difficulty breathing, and you know, he had everything, all of his symptoms." And I said, "I think he's inside of you." And she said, "I do too." And we did the clearing, and and he went to the light, but he had the escort of Archangel Michael, and a lot of people don't realize how powerful that is, but it is very powerful. And I do have a team of people that do uh, clearing remotely for people who are afraid or don't want to do their own work. Uh, I'm very focused on teaching the spiritual tools. And so I have very powerful, um, talented people who are doing the clearing work. And that's another resource if you don't want to do it yourself. But, you know, you can watch the video on YouTube and learn how to do it yourself. And it's in all of my books or practically all of my books and the one book that really specializes in that kind of information is called reweaving the fabric of your reality and it explains why these entities are here you know what they're doing and, and what their agenda is and then then there's tools in the in the second half of the book on how to clear them and what's going on i'll tell you a story about uh an entity that was hanging out in a mask and the story i think the story is in the book uh, of reweaving a fabric of your reality. And I came into this, you know, mansion that this, uh, student of mine, a man, uh, and his wife owned. And I went into the study and I saw, I felt the energy of this mask and I went, what with the mask? And, and they know, these people know, people who hang out with me know that when I say something like that, that they probably need to ask more questions because I'm not going to just tell them. I don't think it's my responsibility or my duty to tell people stuff that I get because I might be interfering with their free will. So they have to invite me to to tell them stuff. Anyway, they didn't say anything. The following week, uh, they had another healer in their house that was, you know, teaching a class. And the man made the same kind of comment. You know, that mask is a big problem, blah, 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 blah. You need to do that. You need to clear that mask out of here. And they had a big bonfire and they burned the mask. The following week. That teacher had his house on Long Island burned to the ground. Yeah. And why? Because he didn't, that entity didn't have an escort out. There wasn't ceremony. You know, it's just, it was, yeah, you know, fine. You kick me out of this mask, but I'm still floating around, you know. (laughs) It's not funny, but it's funny, you know. So people can pick up entities and, you know, you pick up entities you can pick people up and these up in the grocery store. One day when um, I was in the grocery store with my husband and he was trying to check out and my husband's very fast. And so he's, it's looking to me like he's being impatient. Although he would say, no, I was waiting very patiently. But you can see, you know, like he's like trying to get things moving here. And finally the lady who was struggling to pay and she didn't have enough money in one pocket and then the other pocket, you know, that kind of drama. So we get home. 
and he starts acting out in a very strange way. And I look at him and say, what is wrong with you? Now, the minute I ask a question like that, of course, I because I'm plugged into source, I immediately get an answer. And I get shown the picture of the little old lady and that he cleared her of whatever it was that was holding her up. So then I cleared him. No big deal. And so we look upon these kinds of things as, well, you know, what happens. It's not a big deal, but we do have to do our part, you know. And when people say, well, how often do I have to clear? And I say, well, how often do you wash your hands? How often do you wash your hair? Think about that. You know, you don't wait till somebody says, you know, your hair is getting kind of dirty. You, you wash it regularly. <laughs> so we should be clearing ourselves regularly. And, you know, you'll get to a point where you won't have to clear so much because you won't be attracting it. But initially, there's layers of stuff that's, that everybody has to deal with. And so that's one of the very important things that I uh, recommend people do when they're learning how to do this kind of work. Yeah, uh, and and the importance of doing these cleansing techniques, um, well, because if you don't do them and you have this negative energy blocking you, um, you may not be able to access the Akashic Records. That's right. That's right. And if you do, your your information is limited or it feels uh, tainted. One of the ways you can um, recognize it's authentically from the Akashic Records is the fact that it's so loving in the way they speak to you. So they they speak in, in a gentle, sweet, loving tone. You know, sometimes they come through in a, a strong voice, but it's never critical. It's never mean. It's always... Um, you know, you need to look at blah, blah, blah. You need to cleanse your palate of your harsh words like that. But that doesn't say that you were bad for speaking to yourself that way. You know, so the energy is very, very supportive and loving. It's one of the most amazing things to um, uh, be in the records and have a word from them Um that allows you to feel so loved and cherished. I call it the hammock effect. And one of my students said to me recently, you know, I'm in the records every single day. I take time and open up the Akashic Records. And she says, you know, that energy is just so addictive. It feels so good, so loving. It's amazing. So besides the fact that it's loving, how do we know these are the Akashic Records? Well, in, in my coursework, I teach people what I call markers. And the markers are ways that you know that you can identify very clearly. And that's one of the things that separates um, the way I teach from just about anybody else. You know, it's no secret that there's probably, you know, 20 books out there on the Akashic Records. And my book is a, is a real, like, tool that gives you good examples but also gives you the step-by-step process. But the markers are this feeling of unconditional love that comes through that makes you feel so treasured. You know, like when someone when you're when you're having, you know, just a, a tough day and somebody comes and calls you on the phone and says, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I, I've been thinking about you today and I just want you to know how much I love and appreciate you and how much you've done for me and I so appreciate who you are as a human being and I love being friends with you. Even if you're having a rough day, that that energy of love is so powerful, it just changes you. Then then the next thing is you get sensations in your body. And the sensations are, are pretty specific. And each person has their own kinds of sensations. But there's a number of them that I've been able to identify that are quite specific. One of the most powerful ones is this, what I call the soundless sound. And you hear this 
and it's hard to describe it, but that's as close as I can get to it. But it's almost like when you hear the white noise of when a TV station goes off the air. That never happens anymore now, but it's that it's what I call the soundless sound, and it, it has that quality, and it gets louder in your head, so you have this sensation of this this sound that has no sound. Um, and then another very common sensation that people get is pressure on the chest. And it's almost like someone's got their hand pressing on them. And it doesn't hurt. And it, it's not painful. It's simply noticeable that there's an energy there that's supporting them in their heart. Um, and then another sensation is what I call the pulse. And the pulse is a feeling like you might get when you plug, put your fingers in your ears and you hear your own heartbeat. It's sort of like that, but it's not your heartbeat. And there's a number of others that we uh, tell people in the class. Um, and I will tell you that I try not to tell people on this in the training until after they've been in the records. Because when you know that you're expecting to have one of these things happen, you're looking for it. And then you're going to say to yourself, well, I made that up. I made that happen. But if I haven't told you any of those things and you sit down with me and we go through the classwork or the book and you have that sensation and then I say, oh, by the way, you might have this experience, then you realize that what you got was authentic because if you recognize that no one told you and it still happened. You know, if, you, if I tell you, try not to think of an elephant in the room, you're going to think of an elephant in the room. Even when I say, well, don't think about that. Don't think about that elephant. Don't think about that elephant that is pink. You know, and I could go on and on. And it, you know, there's no way you're going to not think about that. So that's one of the tools that one of the ways I teach is that I try not to tell people too much of the how ahead of time, and and let them have the experience, and then their experience can be validated by the fact that that matches with what I what I'm teaching. Question uh, from our chat room tonight. Um, I think this listener just joined into the conversation, but she wants to know how to clear yourself when you suspect an entity. Um, well, go to my YouTube channel and uh, watch a video on clearing. I use, my favorite method is to use a stainless steel knife, and you, you trace it around your body like you're cutting around um, the body, um, kind of like the scales of a fish where you would scale a fish so you're close to your body but you're not you know touching anything and it does need to be stainless steel uh it turns out that stainless steel causes these and en- these entities to to be cut but then they slam back together it doesn't hurt them but they don't like it and then when you call an archangel michael to escort them to a place that's appropriate for them then uh they leave because they they've been outed so to speak so that's the easiest way to clear and there is a wonderful youtube video that explains all that and shows it a couple of them actually uh the first time i did it i was on fifth avenue and i had made a you know an intention a couple of days earlier that i really wanted to get a video on this out and one of my students said can i video you i'm i really need to know this and, and i'd already ended class and i said okay fine you can video me but Let's make it good enough so that I can put it out on YouTube. It's absolutely hilarious. People are walking by, you know, and I'm waving this knife that I had in my my bag for my avocado at lunch. It was very funny. Um, I don't recommend using selenite to do that kind of clearing because it isn't as effective. 
There is one other kind of knife that is even more effective than stainless steel, and that is a chipped obsidian. And when I say chipped, I mean the way the Native Americans chip obsidian, because it's actually... 500 times sharper than stainless steel and there are plastic surgeons that use obsidian knives because they don't cut the cells and they're very very sharp so um that's the alternative if you wanted to have a different kind of knife and you can buy them in all the trade shows that uh have this kind of work you know they, they sell them so it's not a problem it's cool yeah, we, we saged in my home as well. Uh, we just moved into a, a new place and, you know, I got the studio set up. And one of the first things that we did is, you know, sage the place. And I, I guess it can never hurt, right? <laughs> oh, no, it absolutely will not hurt. And it's it's very important because it sets the tone. It says to the house energy and to the universe, I'm the master here. I'm It's my house. My family lives here. And we're the caretakers now. One time when um, I was asked to do some feng shui for a client, and this is years ago. I, I, I've farmed that out now, too, because I'm so focused on this on the spiritual work. And um, I got a very clear message that she had built on sacred ground in Arizona that was sacred to the Native Americans. And so I told her we needed to hold a ceremony to ask permission to be there. And... She had trouble with the internet and the phone and everything. And finally, when one of the telephone people finally came out that, that was able to fix the problem or try to fix the problem, he stood in her living room in front of me, said, um, is there any possibility that you may have built on Native American ground? So even the telephone guy was expecting that that was the problem. So sometimes we do ceremony to get permission to be where we are so that everything is smooth. And as it turns out that um, her asking permission actually brought in Native American in to be a protector of her. And so when this woman was, was very ill, this Native American Indian just took over and um, helped her. It was very interesting. And this is a spirit guide we're talking about. And she could see him, um, but nobody else could. Um, and, you know, it just kind of gave her a little bit of a, of a support when she needed it. If we are able to access the Akashic Records, what can we expect to learn from that experience? Well, the, the number one thing you learn is about yourself, what your purpose is, what your uh afraid of what you are needing you know there is a very powerful way of asking questions and that's one of the things that you learn when you open when you learn to open the records because we all know that it's asking the question that produces the answer so a person doesn't you know if you go to the library and say i want to borrow a book the librarian will kind of look at you with four eyes and say um what kind of book are you looking for you have to know what you want. You have to say, well, I want a book on religion. Well, I want a book on how to raise kids. I want a book on how to knit, whatever it is. So part of it is learning to formulate questions that will help you understand. At the same time, there are broad-based questions that are very powerful and give you great wisdom. For example, something as simple as, what do I need to know today? 
what do I need to work on today? What do I need to um, know about my relationship with my brother? What do I need to pay attention to? What are my faults? What am I afraid of? So it's, it's really very important for a person to start to explore questions. And then the next layer is, what else can I know? So for example, one of my students went in the records and she was wanting to um, grow her business. So she asked how she could, what she could do to improve her business. And the record keepers gave her an answer. Then she asked the same question the next day. She did this every day for a month. And that month she got all the business, all the referral business that I had. Well, that thought will continue with Maureen St. Germain opening the Akashic Records on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Ryan Gable has Paranormal News next. We're streaming 24-7 on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and at ParanormalRadio.com. at the Seaside Civic and Convention Center on the Oregon coast, March 29th to 31st. It's the Northwest's largest paranormal convention, attracting visitors from all across the West Coast and beyond. The Oregon Ghost Conference is a jam-packed weekend filled with speakers, courses, haunted tours, and paranormal investigations. Into the Paranormal will be there broadcasting live on Saturday and Sunday. For tickets and more information, go to OregonGhostConference.com. Now available. Beyond UFOs, the science of consciousness and contact with non-human intelligence. From the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation, Beyond UFOs presents astonishing data on the world's first multi-language academic research study on over 4,200 experiencers in more than 100 countries. This data contradicts what is circulating in mainstream ufology. Beyond UFOs is a must-read. Find it at experiencer.org, Amazon, and wherever great books are sold. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at Parabnormal Show to stay up to date. Join our group for live chats, news, and discussion on everything somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. Send us a direct message through the contact section at parabnormalradio.com or by text at 818-672-6865. Stay connected into the Parabnormal. This is Parabnormal News. I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings. TESS, the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, is NASA's newest exoplanet mission. It's being led out of MIT, and it's going to find thousands of new planets orbiting bright nearby stars. 
and it's going to build upon the legacy of the Kepler mission, only it's going to focus on nearby bright stars that are sprinkled across the whole sky, and it's going to help us answer a really important question, and that is, which of our near-stellar neighbors has planets? TESS has found its third planet to date, but the first in the category of Earth-like. It's actually bigger than Earth and sits outside of our solar system, orbiting its star every 36 days and reaching 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Diane Dragomir, a postdoctorate at MIT who led this new discovery, says, quote, It's the coolest small planet that we know of around a star this bright. She adds that HD 21749b is probably made of gas like Neptune or Uranus, though far more dense. TESS launched last April. A confirmation 10 years in the making. The first exoplanet candidate of NASA's late Kepler Space Telescope has been validated. It lies about 2,600 light-years from the Sun and orbits its host star every 3.8 Earth days. University of Hawaii graduate student Ashley Contos said their new analysis, quote, which uses stellar sound waves observed in the Kepler data to characterize the host star, demonstrated that the star is in fact three times larger than previously thought, revealing that Kepler-1658b is actually a hot Jupiter-like planet. Kepler ran out of fuel in late October of last year after finding more than 2,500 exoplanets over its nearly decade-long life. Several big discoveries are still likely to come, as researchers analyze the mountain of data. Read these stories and more at ParabnormalRadio.com. In for John Jeter, I'm Ryan Gable, Parabnormal News. in the witching hour, there's a place we call Into the Parabnormal. Well, it's certainly not normal to have guidance such as those we're opening tonight with the Akashic Records. And my guest, Maureen St. Germain. Her website is maureensaintgermain.com. We have her linked up as well at parabnormalradio.com, including where you can go click on the book. So I want to return. Uh, you remember where you were? You were telling us the story of one of your students, Maureen? Yes. Um, oh, gosh. And I think I was basically telling you about, gosh, I don't remember. <laughs> the number of stories I was telling you. Um, I almost finished, so we'll just have to let it go. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Now. What about the questions such as health and love and money? If folks are wanting those kinds uh, of answers from the Akashic Records, will they be disappointed? No, but they won't be told future things. You know, um, there are times that a person is told, you know, you're going to 
you're going to meet someone in the near future. I will remember very distinctly a woman that I gave a session to who lived uh, in Hawaii and her husband had died suddenly, unexpectedly. And she, um, he was a, you know, a champion in the community and he was a high school teacher and everyone loved him. And, you know, like 500 people came to the funeral. It was really tragic. And I don't know, maybe it's two months, three months after her, her uh, husband passed away in the records, very clearly they told her she was going to have love. And she said, no, 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 I'm not ready for that. You know, I'm still mourning my husband, blah, blah, blah. And the record keepers were very insistent with her and said, well, you know, even if you don't think you're ready, it's going to happen. And, you know, we're just letting you know. And that was not something that I was normally accustomed to having come through. But I think it was important for her to hear. So this particular client stayed in touch and she ended up changing jobs and moving from Hawaii to Florida where she met somebody and fell in love big time and was blown away by that experience because she and her first husband were just so in love and she never thought she could have that again. And, of course, one of the things the record keeper said, look, if you've done it once, you're going to do it again. Why, why not tell yourself that you absolutely have that ability and you're going to bring in someone who's absolutely wonderful for you again so that transformed her in a way that she had not expected um so so people will be told that they can also be told things like um you know you're 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 not with the one you need to be with um that would mostly come through in in phraseology like they might say well am i going to marry tom and the record keepers might say, well, you are going to get married, but we don't see it with Tom. Um, so that's information about love, but it doesn't predict what will happen. <laughs> Excuse me. So money. Money's a big one. Um, usually they are very specific about that and will say, you know, you can count on having money. You can have resources and things like that. Um you know, I, I have followed the record keepers on a lot of money issues for myself and have prospered. And so I know that that's true. But that guidance is always very specific, but it isn't time related. So it generally does not give people a time frame. But there are exceptions. I've had I had a session one time with a client where she asked about a roommate and the record keepers said to her, well, it'll be fine until the luster wears off. And they were just going to move into this new apartment and she said luster what luster does that mean he's not going to stay and the answer was yes well when will he leave well they said well you know in this particular month which was one month later than when they were going to move in and she said of what year because she couldn't wrap her brain around the fact that somebody would move in with her and they weren't lovers they were you know separate roommates a, a gay guy and a straight girl and um Sure enough, that's what went down. Now, the benefit of having that kind of information is, well, what do I do next? And she actually asked that. So while she's having the session, she says, well, maybe I shouldn't rent to this guy, you know, if he's going to bail on me right away. And the record keeper said, well, you know, it'll be okay. And the timing will lead you to the roommate of your dreams. And she ended up finding someone who was absolutely fabulous. They became good friends. And they... um but that woman wasn't even looking until two months later. So she wouldn't have connected with her if it hadn't been for this little drama. And it worked out okay. 
And the benefit, think about it, if you knew that it was going to happen, but you didn't want it to happen, you didn't believe it would happen, and that's probably what happened with this lady. At the same time, when it starts to fall apart, you can say, well, I guess I was warned. And then you don't have to be so upset because you're also t- she was also warned or told that she'd have the roommate of her dreams after this guy left. So, you know, what's to be upset about that? Um, I'm trying to think if there's other examples. Um, a lot of times they'll tell people, you know, the, the benefit of a specific business operation or a, a way to acquire um you know certain assets or or resources and in fact they even gave me a very specific uh, set of prayers and they called it dancing in the river of golden opportunity and i had this lady call me who was a friend of mine and she was also self-employed and in business and she was telling me that you know she had one company that owed her 10k and another company that owed her 5k and you know, she had a list like this, and she said, nobody's paying, and I'm I'm not going to be able to make my house payment. I might lose everything. And I said, well, you know, I, I had this prayer that I was given, you know, a couple of days ago. Would you like me to walk you through it? It's kind of like a meditation. And she said, oh, yeah. And so we did it, and she called me back within, you know, within a, a day and said, this is fantastic. You know, this company called me right after we did the meditation and they said they have a check waiting for me and I could come by and pick it up. Okay, a couple weeks go by, same drama, same phone call. Uh, will you want to do that again? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same result. She gets money and, and everything's cool. The third time it happened, I asked the record keepers, am I supposed to release this information for the public? Because I thought it was for me. And they said, yes, we've been waiting for you to figure that out. So that's a guided meditation that I created called Dancing in the River of Golden Opportunity. And it came directly from the Akashic Records. And it's really cool. That's all I'll say. It's really cool. And, you know, it's an easy download. It's like nine ninety nine or something on my website. You can also buy the CD if you want a physical copy. I, I, we do sell those too. They sell them at CD Baby and a few other places. So it was at that moment that you really found out that you were sitting on this information that wasn't, as you said, just meant for you, but could literally impact other people's lives. Yeah, and that's been true of a lot of information that I've gotten, that I needed help. You know, I need, you know, I was, <coughs> excuse me, I was um, down and out like a lot of people. You know, I I was married for 25 years, and when my husband fell in love with somebody else, you know, things changed. And, you know, we had a tough time financially um, with four kids. And so, you know, when he left, it was pretty heavy duty. And I had to find my way out of that. And I did not want to file bankruptcy, even though he did. So um, I took on his debt because that's the only way it works, because he did this while we were still married. So, but I paid it off. And the cool thing is, uh, it did take me a while, but I used all these tools. And that's how I come. I can sit here and say, yeah, I'm an expert. I use these on me and they work. And that's that's basically what most of my, my uh, clients say, that all, all the tools that I have, all the resources that I teach, I have put to work myself. And if not, then other people have and have reported back. I'm... I like to do product testing and get feedback and make sure that it's the, the way people want it. In fact, this is one of the things that 
I have like an angel meditation that I really, really recommend people to give it a shot because it's got biblical references and it's got a repeat after me way of coming across. So when you say, when I when I recorded it, I actually left spaces where there's still background music, but you get to say it in your own words. And what happens is then you are the sayer of the invocations and it teaches you a way to be connected and then you know then you learn you learn who the archangels are and you learn who to call on for what it's very cool and nobody else does that in their meditations they're just kind of like talking or music and i deliberately set it up that way so one of the things that i try to do is give people tools so they can learn for themselves you know it's that old chinese phrase you can teach a man to fish or you can give them a fish. You give them a fish, you know, they're your, they're your ward for the rest of their life. But if you teach them to fish, they'll take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Maureen, how do you know? Uh, I mean, how do you know? How do we know that we're actually accessing the Akashic Records and we're not just, well, having an epiphany? <laughs> well, there's a couple of ways. Number one, I do teach a foolproof way of getting to your higher self and that's also included in the book and it's one of those things that i teach everywhere i go it's probably my ear my you know my special tool that i totally recommend to everyone and it's uh three steps on how to connect with the akash with the uh, higher self and so once you get that down then you can use that to validate what you're getting in the akashic records um very very powerful so that takes practice for six weeks. And you're, while you're doing that, you're also learning how to open the Akashic Records. And the way you know for sure is these markers, these ways that they speak to you. You know, when you read a sentence that they have said to you, you know, there's no way that you, you would speak that way. And the, the, the language is so beautiful that you stand back and go, wow, I wrote that? And then, of course, you'll hear a little voice in your, no, we channeled that to you, you know, and, and that's how it goes. Um, you know, one client said, um, you know, what may I know about my future in this particular place? And, and they said, your future is secure and here and elsewhere. You are well-loved and respected. Uh and you know it goes it goes on where they ask about you know other places that they wanted to be in and what they were told what i know is that once you start in this work what happens is you can develop what i will call a rhythm and a flow that comes through very easily because of the dispensation the other thing is in my work i actually tell people that we are calling upon the ascended masters. So in the prayer that I teach to open the records, we're actually naming the very specific ascended masters who are assigned to oversee the Akashic records. And it's like an insurance policy, or it's like having an expert that knows what they're doing, standing over your shoulder, making sure you do it the way you're supposed to. So those are the ways you know. And you might say to yourself, I won't know. I don't know until I know. And that's all true. But at the same time, what I can tell you is that there are definitive 
ways to identify the information. And in fact, when I teach, I ask people to share the answers they get so I can help them evaluate it. And if someone says, you know, um, you made a big mistake last week and blah, 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 I'll say right away, well, that wasn't the record keepers. That's probably the voice of one of your parents that used to talk to you and tell you how, how you know, how you weren't doing your thing or you weren't bright or you weren't smart. You know, you'll never amount to anything. And that's the kind of message it is. It's it's a it's a unhappy parent message, not a loving, supportive energy. The other thing that happens is they often speak in terms of you to me. So if I were in your records, I would I might say to you through me, your record keepers might say to you through me, we want you to know what a powerful service you are doing for humanity. And although you think you are having fun and that you're doing what you love, we say to you, you came to do this work. You're exquisitely trained to do this work. We support you in this work and you're getting support even when you don't know you're getting support. That kind of message is not something you would think to tell yourself. So if you're scribing something like that, you you stand back and you go, that wasn't me. I don't talk that way. And another thing is this this sense of eloquence that comes through. And, and the best way I know to describe that is to say the language is lofty. And what I mean by that is the energy has a certain quality and the words have meaning to you. You understand the words, but it is not the way you and I speak every day. Totally not the way you and I speak. One time I was asked by a client about her daughter's ex-boyfriend. And it mysteriously, the cats at their house, at the at her daughter's house, had all died the same week. And she felt that the boyfriend had poisoned the cats. He never liked the cats and he was kind of a not a good guy. She knew he wasn't a good guy. So she asks in the records, did the guy um, do the deed? And I will tell you that my personality flared up in that moment and I thought in a conscious way, pushing it back right away, but I thought in that moment, oh my God, she's going to say Maureen St. Germain said the ex-boyfriend killed the cats. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I do not want to be the person that says that, right? So I'm thinking, oh, this is all happening in a split second. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what are they going to say, you know? So the record keeper said to her, you do not need your record keepers to confirm that which you already know. I don't talk that way. So it's pretty amazing. Well, Maureen, I want to thank you for coming on the program tonight and uh, opening the Akashic Records with us. So thank you for coming on. Uh, what would you uh, want to say as your closing comments to the audience? And then please let us know how we can contact you. Oh, okay. Um, learn to access the Akashic Records because your life will be transformed in a way that will make your life happier, more fulfilled. You will have more of everything you care about. And then learn how to connect with your higher self. And one very powerful tool that I like to share with everybody is to ask for a day of heaven on earth for yourself and everyone you come in contact with. 
My website's Maureen St. Germain, M-A-U-R-E-E-N-S-T-G-E-R-M-A-I-N. My books are available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Maureen, thank you again so much for coming on tonight. You are quite welcome. There you go. Opening up the Akashic Records. Check out our book. Check out our website. We've got the link. It's up on parabnormalradio.com. We're going to be talking next with R.G. Eckert about whether or not extraterrestrials, whether or not the aliens are from Atlantis. You get a very interesting take on that. Our uh, guest that we were scheduled to have on the program tonight could not be with us. Uh, Neither could John Jeter tonight. Uh, And we miss John, and he'll be back in in future weeks. But uh, Ryan Gable doing a heck of a job at the Paranormal News Desk tonight. And a couple of news items that I hadn't had a chance to get to yet, because we had that breaking news of the Chaff incident, in air quotes, over New Mexico. Because we don't know what aircraft it came from, and we don't know what purposes that aircraft was in the area. There's some other stuff, though, that though, that is going on, and... Allow me a couple of minutes here as we round out this hour of the program to uh, to shed some light on those. I don't know if they're connected or not, but I'm highly uh, cautious about that. I believe they could all be connected. So in addition to everything that we've outlined so far, we've got some strange lights being reported over in Britain in a seaside town northern Ireland in fact luminous lights photographed in the waters and people uploading their pictures of this in fact there is even video of this you can click on it parabnormalradio.com in the news section Mysterious lights, and they do appear to be coming from underneath the water. There's a little bit of fog in the area. You know, not being an expert, I can't tell you whether this is CGI or not. But it is a very ominous-looking picture. And locals are just kind of shaking their head over there, of course. Yeah, there are folks saying, well, it's, it's an alien invasion. Others are saying it's just a refraction of light from some other source, or it's a camera trick, or it is some sort of audio or some sort of video editing. But nonetheless, you can check that out at parabnormalradio.com. Apparently, they flickered several times and at random, random intervals would flash on and off. So, something that was certainly out of the norm. For folks who witnessed this, and then we've got we've got more uh, sounds, um, weird stra- sounds. Some would say apocalyptic sounds, along with some strange clouds and even UFOs. In where in Slovakia? I haven't listened to this audio yet, so we'll see what it is together but this apparently is the sounds 
that folks have been hearing and was actually recorded by a man on YouTube uh, who goes as Martin Mikas, M-I-K-U-A-S, credit where credit is due. Almost sounds like a monster or something growling. So there you have it. There's some those sounds uh, accompanying clouds and UFOs over in Slovakia. Uh, apparently, this gentleman captured these particular uh, uh, sounds on March the first. And had previously done so in 2015. There were more reports and videos in 2016, 2017, and 2018 of these clouds. And so, I don't know if it is some sort of testing, some sort of atmospheric moderation, geoengineering, whatever you want to call it. And on top of that, we've got some absolutely repulsive smells that's right repulsive smells all around the world there was a case in florida that was on the nightly news in vermont pennsylvania over in england and even on an alaska airlines flight from chicago to seattle somewhere over minnesota this foul odor overcame everyone on the plane and well, made them sick. All of these cases, are they something? They're certainly something. What they are is unexplainable, and they may all be connected. Don't miss Paranormal News with John Jeter at the bottom of the hour. Holy cow. Only on Ear 2, the Paranormal. Life Change Tea. Log on to GetTheTea.com. Find out why so many people reorder this product. The results will blow you away. If you have health problems and need help, order Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. If it didn't work, no one would reorder. We sell a one-year supply at a discounted rate. Two eight-ounce glasses a day helps keep sickness away. Read the numerous testimonies of how thousands and thousands have been helped by drinking Life Change Tea. Many talk show celebrities are not only talking about the tea, but using it. Feel good, lose a little weight, and enjoy your life at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. You can also call our friendly staff at 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. Life Change Tea. All natural, USA, no caffeine, great tasting detox drink. Join the leaders who have taken control of their health. GetTheTea.com. Tired of overpaying for the little blue pill what if you could get the exact same results for just a fraction of the price guaranteed well now you can with sildenafil the active ingredient in the blue pill with 20 milligram generic sildenafil tablets you get the exact same results for less than two dollars per pill and again the results are guaranteed that's right absolutely guaranteed results for a fraction of the cost of the little blue pill 
so give your wallet a break and call us toll-free at 800-367-9583 to get your generic sildenafil delivered discreetly to your door. And of course, while saving hundreds of dollars, you'll also be saving time by saying goodbye to those long, embarrassing pharmacy lines once and for all. Again, just call 800-367-9583 to get your generic sildenafil with a 100% money-back guarantee. Getting your pills doesn't get any easier or cheaper than this. So call 800-367-9583 now. Please help us. Our house, it has no internet. Wherever you have phone service, you can take Into the Paranormal with you. Call 701-719-9703 and listen wherever you are. Our listen line is courtesy of TalkStream Live. Show your friends how cool listening to talk radio is on your phone. Call 701-719-9703 to travel somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. Into the Paranormal. Into the Paranormal. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. Normal, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. That about sums it up. You know, there are few subjects more fascinating than alien existence. Seems that the more answers we get, well, the more questions that become of it. Tonight, we're going to ponder whether aliens are from Atlantis. My next guest is Bobby Eckert. He holds a Master of Education in International T-E-S-O-L, English as a Second or Foreign Language, for those not familiar. He wrote an article titled Walker Percy and the Mind-Body Problem in the June 1999 publication of International Philosophical Quarterly and is lectured at the college level. He's currently working on the project Aliens Are from Atlantis. Welcome, Bobby, into the Parabnormal. Okay, thank you. So let's start with the incident that occurred in Turkey, uh, the the UFO incident, May seventeenth, two thousand nine, early in the morning that day. What was caught on video? Well, it, supposedly um, they caught uh, a flying saucer with uh, two creatures in it. You know, if it's an authentic video, that's what they got. And we'll post the link to that video, which is up at your website, aliensarefromatlantis.com. You can find the link there. And uh, have you ever seen any footage like that, Bobby? The footage, yes. You, you, had, seen some, you had seen footage like that previously? Just what's available on the Internet for everybody to see. But but I mean this this particular incident. Had you ever seen an incident like this recorded on television? Because I mean the video or video, I should say, because the video, I mean, is pretty is pretty uh, intense. I mean, it's it, it's right yeah, it's there. It's been vetted. I mean, it's been it's been vetted by the uh, by the Turkish government. You know what they 
one of the claims is, well, they did capture something, but it must be a ship. So that's like the best guess, you know, authentic, you know, like conventional explanation is that um, what they're actually capturing is two people who are on a ship on the, you know, on the water. Um, but then they say, well, it's not at the right angle. So the people who claim that it is authentic would say that it's not at the right angle if they're in the sky. So either somebody did a really good fake or <laughs> it's the real thing. Yeah, and you know, it's like it, the Patterson video. There's not really a lot of in between. You know, the Patterson videos of Bigfoot's either a really good fake or it's real. Oh, precisely. And so, I mean, the the possibilities that if this is real, um, that would mean a lot because uh, right. I mean, that would have serious implications if this is this is a real extraterrestrial craft. Right. Well, and the extraterrestrial is. You know, that's what logicians would call begs the question. I and mean, we don't know if it's extraterrestrial. We just don't, we know we didn't make it. But that doesn't mean it came from interstellar travel. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so I would just encourage folks to go to go check out that video. As far as the hypothesis, the Atlantis hypothesis... Uh, which is something that I think you have some thoughts on as well. What is the Atlantis hypothesis? Well, just that. that I mean, this, the, the question is, okay, if they're given, given that they're real, we'll just go from that premise, given that there actually is these creatures there, well, where did they come from? They have to come from somewhere. Well, there's various explanations. There's time travel, which has its problems. There's other dimensions. Um, that's an explanation thrown out there. They came through other dimensions. Okay, that's possible. Interstellar travel, well, if you understand biology and you understand distance and physics, interstellar travel is just too far. We're talking trillions of miles. You know, a light year is like, what, six trillion miles? It's just not possible for life to travel between the stars. It, the universe could be full of life. Okay, but it's just too far away. So there's Occam's razor. When formulating hypothesis, do not multiply explanatory entities unnecessarily. You know, keep it simple. Well, the simplest explanation is that they came from Earth. You know, we know intelligent life evolved on Earth. So that's just, it's one of the explanations, the Atlantis hypothesis, that there's an advanced, what they call a breakaway culture. 12,000 years in our past, there's an advanced culture. Many of them died during the cataclysm that have evidently occurred 11,600 years ago. Some of them, some of the advanced Atlanteans of twelve thousand years ago didn't die, and that's who we see. It's that simple. <laughs> They've been here the whole time. Bioengineered clones, in fact. Right. Exactly. Well, then, see, then, okay, then, like, if it's human beings, which there's a lot of these encounters, Travis Walton, he encountered both. He had the little gray creatures in the disc. Then he got away from them, and then he met human beings. Well, he met both. He met the little gray, what I call the little gray abductors, but the little gray creatures. And then Travis Walton also met the Atlanteans, or, you know, that's who came on the ship and got him. He encountered the Atlanteans. And then the theory is, well, they created, they bioengineered these little gray creatures. And that's, the Soviets have said that. When they did autopsies, they said that the... um you know, they thought they were clones, like engineered clones. The clothing they wear isn't really clothing. It's like built into them. It's part of them. Um, 
you know, when they did the autopsies, they found a complex brain, but the insides of these creatures, you know, they don't have muscles, they don't have veins. I think it's more like an insect body and uh, a complex brain. So, yeah, it's like Island of Dr. Moreau. You know, they created these things. They genetically engineered them somehow. <laughs> yeah, and to do what? Everything to do what they do. These um, a slave race. You know, these are the little creatures that do the they do the alien abduction abductions. You know, they're actually um, you know for whatever they're using bio harvesting. You know, this thing um consanguinity. You know, they would have to um, get fresh genetics <laughs> for their um, reproduction for their own reproduction purposes. You know, who knows? I'm just guessing. You know, it's any any guess as to why they abduct us, but maybe the same reason we do. We need parts, bioharvesting, you know. We can synthesize a lot of things, but there's certain things that we can't, certain like blood products, hormones, um, intravenous amino globulins. You know, there's certain things we still get from human blood products. Um, so we bioharvest, <laughs> so maybe they do too. And what about communicative crop circles? That, uh, you know, I, that one, honestly, if all that was fake, it would surprise me too much. You know, but there is um, evidence that these things are created by flying circles. I don't I don't put a whole lot of weight behind that. There's a lot out there, so maybe they use them. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. You know, the crop circles, I don't know. That's a whole other thing. A lot of them are fake, you know, fair game. That's part of this whole thing is there's an awful lot of fake evidence. <laughs> um so if, but if, if that's, that, oh, if these creatures were bioengineered, would they be bioengineered to be more dominant? Well, you know, that's I tell you, I really wanted to ask Travis Walton that question: Who is in charge, <laughs> right? Um, no, I mean, who would do that? Nobody would create something that would dominate them. So my hypothesis is that no, these these little gray creatures work for the human beings, the Atlanteans. Yeah, but they also don't... But who knows? You know, who knows? They also seem like they don't really want to interact with with humans. Right. We would be... A, it'd be like, we'd be like Neanderthal to them. And even some of these, you know, there's one guy out there who claims he interacted with them out at, like, Area 51. They would see us as primitives. Are like, you speaking um, about Bob Lazar? No, I don't think he ever claimed to have met. He 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 back engineered the discs. Now there's another. I can't think of the name offhand. It's on the website. Um, but he's uh, he claims he was in the service and he was weather balloons. Weather balloons was his thing, and he um, he claims he interacted. Now these ones, you know, there's so many people on You know, I get this whole field is full of anyway full of people who just make up stories. But, um, you know, it's, it's the um, the military people are the ones that I'm, in evidence I'm interested in, like, say, the Phoenix Lights. You know, you get somebody like Governor Fife Symington, former Air Force. You know, there's an awful lot of guys at the um, intercontinental ballistic missile sites where the 10 got shut down. So there's a lot of legit um, legit evidence. As, as far as the Atlanteans are concerned, they they also go by some other names, don't they? 
Sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they probably don't to themselves. They probably wouldn't refer to themselves as Atlantean. But yeah, that's that. The myth in the Atlantean. The reason we use that is goes back to Plato. And Plato wrote like twenty five hundred years ago. He got it from his grandfather's Solon, and Solon was also known as the lawgiver. He codified Western law. So Plato's grandfather was famous himself, and Plato's grandfather traveled to Egypt. And it's the Egyptians who told the Greeks the story of Atlantis. And now for the Egyptians, it goes way back. You know, even at that time, they were saying it was 9,000 years prior. Well, that was 2,500 years ago. Well, there's your 11,100, or I'm sorry, 11,000, you know, 500 years. That date comes up over and over, like 11,600 years. It seems as if something, probably an asteroid hit, hit in the Pacific. Um, but some cataclysmic event occurred like 11,600 years ago um, and ended what they call the Younger Dryas. There was a cold spell. There was the heating as we came out of the Ice Age, and then from like 12,800 to 11,600 years ago, there was a cold stretch called the Younger Dryas. Um, and Graham Hancock is a theorist who claims there was uh, asteroid hits. But it doesn't seem like there was a cataclysm, but everybody remembers it's a great flood, you know, for global memory. And it's not, you know, we do get hit with asteroids. It's not that unusual to think that we got hit with an asteroid. It happens. And it would be a huge event. Yeah, apparently there were two that just zipped uh, by us in the past week. Right. Uh, not really yeah, that and close they in come the overall from the scheme of things. If they come from the direction of the sun, it's still a blind spot. We don't know. The British were talking about putting a satellite that would be on the other side of the sun, uh, 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 not, not, a, um, not a terrestrial satellite, but a solar satellite, you know, an artificial solar satellite, another planet, not a moon. The British were going to make one. I don't, know, I don't know if they got there, but to keep an eye on the other side of the sun. Cause if it, and there's nothing we can do about it anyway. They come so fast. We're just toast. <laughs> you know, but the, um, if it comes from the direction of the sun, we don't even get warning. Because um, we can't see it till it's past the sun. So, yeah. Well, there may not you know, be much happens. of this. There may not be much of the sun left because uh, scientists at Harvard are now blocking it out. Uh, yeah, they're not. There's not too much they can do. Actually, I used to live up in Fairbanks, Alaska, near that um, site where they say interferes with the weather. I mean, we're not there yet. We're not that strong. I mean, maybe as a species we can affect global weather because there's 8 billion of us, but I don't really think any scientists are going to be doing too much to the physics of the Earth. The uh, the Atlanteans or the Tall Whites or the Nordics, the Pleiadians? uh, Yeah, yeah, they're throughout, you know, the mythologies of the Earth. The um, there's stories of the Great Flood. When the Europeans got to South America, the, the um, South Americans were basically expecting them because there had been bearded white people from the sea um, as part of the mythology of uh, the South American myths. So when the Europeans showed up, it's almost like they were expecting them. That's why, they, that's why it was so easy for them to conquer, because they thought they were gods, right? So yeah, if someone thinks you're a god, it's pretty easy to conquer them. And by the time they'd figured out that the Europeans weren't actually gods, uh, it was too late. But originally they were greeted and they were handed gold, and they you know, they didn't have to defeat anybody. They, they were um, 
are treated as um as you know as the Atlanteans as the gods as the part of the myth that they had remembered from their ancient past. So there's. You know, um, actually, I don't know if you've seen the movie Easy Rider recently. Uh, no. There's a, there's a famous, there's a famous, which I didn't really get this, but there was a famous reference to UFOs in the movie Easy Rider, and it comes from Adamski. The authors of Easy Rider had hired a typist, and she had come from Washington, D.C. She was part of a flying saucer cult from the whole Adamski crowd. Anyway, so she, she um, influenced the movie Easy Rider, influenced the script, and if you watch the movie, there's like a four-minute, five-minute clip where they talk about aliens. Dennis Hopper sees one in the sky. They're smoking around a fire. But what he says in that movie, the reason I mention it, is it's very close to this theory. It was kind of shocking to me. So they talk about Venusians from Venus. So you'll hear, you haven't really heard about the Atlantis hypothesis since the 1970s, but it was common. If you watch a documentary on UFOs from the 1970s, they'll probably talk about Atlantis. So it's always been in the background. It's always been, you know, in terms of ufology, it's always been, well, you know, it could be. This is one of the possibilities. But um, from a biological standpoint, it's the only one that makes sense. Um, like, I, I actually bounced this idea off an author, um, William Berger. He's written two books about human evolution, um, Perfect Planet, Clever Species, and he just published a book um, called Complexity about evolution, the evolution of intelligence, the evolution of life. Now, someone like him, a biologist, he thinks the idea of interstellar travel is absurd. It's just too far. Life can't be sustained over that distance. It's just not how it works. (laughs) And these creatures we see, you know, the course of natural selection, I'm sure there's life all over the universe, but the course of natural selection wouldn't have gone similarly to us. So we're not going to see hominids, hominins, coming from outer space or just, you know, but we are definitely seeing something. That's the thing. And the December release in 2017 of the Navy videos where, um, you know, it was picked up on radar, picked up on infrared, seen by the pilots. These are Navy pilots been flying for 15 years. So these are the kind of guys with evidence that you listen to. And I, I'm former military. I was in the military for a few years. I was a, in the chemical corps. So I have a background in um, seabird defense chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, high-yield explosive. And so that kind of got my interest when they, uh, they ha- you know, somebody obviously has an interest in our nuclear technology. Um, to the degree the former Soviet Union used to intentionally call, what they would say, they intentionally would call UFOs by doing exercises that involved nukes with their military. And the Soviet Union do, every time they did that, UFOs, flying saucers would show up and start monitoring them. And the, and the astronauts. The astronauts definitely saw something on the moon. There's no question that um, they saw something <laughs> that they couldn't explain. Bobby, what's your take on this the rash of this weird radar uh, anomaly stuff going on? Uh, you know, an aircraft being seen. Uh, but yet not appearing on radar, and this chaff, uh, you know, that that is now used to, uh, you know, explain a lot of these. Yet it just is not adding up. Well, they've demonstrated over and over that they can just do what they want with our technology. They're, you know, they um, the incident in Iran when the UFO was chased by. Uh, Iranian jet. At that time, we were supplying them their equipment. I can't remember what, what jet it was, but and they just 
you you're forever hearing about them shutting down, whether it's a car or a jet. Um, if a, if a military jet gets a lock on them, they shut down everything in the all the equipment in the jet, and then as soon as the jet veers off, they get their equipment back. I mean, you hear about encounters with UFOs where the technology, our technology, gets just commandeered or shut down. So they're not real worried about us. <laughs> I mean, there was an incident in the Vietnam War where they shot on a UFO, and then they were shot back at. Well, then this is whether it's true or not, but what they said was that they were getting their own bullets back. So what, and this would, I mean, they have 11,000 years on us, research and development. And when, when you get to that level, it seems, the physics of it seems to us to be magic. You know, what they are capable of doing in terms of manipulating gravitational fields, electromagnetism, it seems to us to be magic, but it's science. They just had longer, they've had 11,000 you know, take it, call it 12,000 years ago. The cataclysm was 11,600 years ago. And then the, the theory, the Atlantis theory is some of them survived and survived to this day. Um, so they had what we call advanced and then it gets into the, you know, evolution versus development. Technology doesn't evolve. It develops. It's a much quicker process and it's not to do with the underlying Darwinian natural selection. It's not to do with who's having the most babies. You know, technology changes within a generation. That's not how natural selection works. Not Darwinian natural selection. That's just not the right time frame. We'll pause with my guest, Bobby Eckert. The website, aliens are from Atlantis.com. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, we'll be back after Ryan Gable and Paranormal News. Like this show? There's plenty more of them. Subscribe to Into the Paranormal for a few dollars a month and never miss a show. Check it out at ParanormalRadio.com. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-319-4094. That's 800-319-4094. 800-319-4094. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app. 
free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Live nationwide, Saturdays 6 to 9 Pacific, 9 to midnight Eastern. Into the Paranormal. This is Paranormal News. I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings. 2019 has already seen three Loch Ness Monster sightings, two of them very recently within just five days of each other. The second sighting was seen by a visitor on the afternoon of February 23rd in Urquhart Bay. According to LochNessSightings.com, the witness says she saw a dark-colored creature rise about three feet out of the water for about 10 to 15 seconds before disappearing back under the surface. The third sighting was spotted by a man watching a webcam on the afternoon of February 27th. There were 15 reported sightings of the Loch Ness Monster last year, including five in August alone. Could goblins be to blame for tormenting a village in Zimbabwe? Locals say whatever it is, is responsible for the deaths of two children, dozens of livestock, and crops. A prophet vanquished the creatures, but now they're back. Residents are worried they won't be able to fully get rid of the goblins who strike in the middle of the night. Villagers are raising money for an even more powerful sorcerer to vanquish the menace once and for all. Read these stories and more at ParabnormalRadio.com. In for John Jeter, I'm Ryan Gable, Parabnormal News. Aliens are from Atlantis.com. That is the website for my guest, Bobby Eckert. And we've been talking, well, about the Atlanteans. And I wanted to get his take on the uh, the, the chaff and that radar situation from a military background. But uh, let's focus back now on the, 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 the Atlanteans, as we're calling them, or the Tall Whites, or the Nordics, or the Pleiadians, the Anunnaki names that have been used to describe these similar beings. And primarily, um, Bobby, these are creatures if we're calling them creatures that, well, are tall and, and have rather long necks. Yes, I mean, they'd be, I mean, that's quick. Are they Homo sapiens, you know, we call Homo sapiens symbolificus? Are they identical to us, or have they evolved beyond us? Um, like, you know, are they um, are they relative to us, like the same relation we have to Neanderthal? So I, I mean, are they genetically identical um, hybrids? Evidently, they can interbreed. There's an awful lot of these alien abduction scenarios where there's breeding taking place. So, but Neanderthals and um, Cro-Magnon could interbreed. That's how nature works. You can, you don't have to be the identical species. You can form hybrids. Um, so, what their exact genetic relation to us is 
is an open question. Have they evolved beyond us? Have they branched off? Or is it just a cultural and not a biological difference, which would be enough. Um, but yeah, they're considered, that's what Travis Walton said when he describes the, um, the tall whites and Nordics, you know, Pleiadians, they've called Anunnaki, um, the Dropa in China, they refer to them as Dropa with the Dropa stones. The Quetzalcoatl is the bringer of knowledge down in South America. You know, so it's a global phenomenon. But when Travis Walton describes them, and Travis Walton was a big guy, and he was young, he was like 25 years old, he um, took down trees for a living, he's tall, and he said these guys were way bigger than him. So, you know, they could just be priming their nutrition. You know, they've had 11,000 years to figure out physiology and nutrition, so it could just be just they've really enhanced our genetic structure, and they're just taller and um you know, smarter. I mean, there's every everyone who's encountered them. They they evidently have an ability with telepathy. As you hear this from people who have encountered them, um, but they are human beings. They're us. They're not coming from outer space. They're not coming from interstellar travel. They're not coming from other dimensions. There's no time travel because that's just illogical. Time travel is impossible. That's that's easy to demonstrate. Um, other dimensions, who knows? That's a whole other field. I'm not a physicist. But if they are in other dimensions and they've been here this whole time, you know, where are they? Um, but they're Atlanteans. They have, they're not interested in what I refer to as surface humans, but they won't let us destroy their planet. And they, they obviously are interested in our nuclear technology. Um, one of the astronauts, I can't think of his name offhand, but talks about um, an incident where they were testing an intercontinental, inter- intercontinental ballistic missile. And the uh, flying saucer showed up onto the screen and knocked it out of the sky. Um, they've shut down our ICBM sites. So, and they wouldn't want us, you know, it's their planet too, so they rely on it. And we could, now we've gotten to the point where we could, through radiologic and nuclear technology, we can do a lot of damage to this planet. So that would get their attention. They're not gonna, They're not going to let us destroy the planet that they need. So they've come around and they've intervened. Um, you know, Foo Fighters were seen. Those are the, what they called the uh, small UFOs that, that the pilots in uh, World War II saw. So they've been, you know, they monitor our wars. Someone is. I mean, they clearly have been picking up, the military has been picking up radar hits, infrared hits, sightings. Um, so clearly something is monitoring us. And, um, what Richard Dolan, he's from Rochester, New York, he calls them, he uses the phrase others. And they, you hear the phrase watchers. Um, and they evidently are monitor, I guess. So, you know, <clears throat> the question is, um, how much are they going to intervene if we were to, um, to launch nukes? And there's one theory that that Chernobyl, the, uh, the nuclear power site that melted down in uh, the former Soviet Union, there's a theory that um, the UFOs intervened in that and helped that from melting down. Because they came pretty close to just a straight-up meltdown would have irradiated a huge area. So, um, you know, we are in a position now where we could damage the planet. What about maybe another species or other creatures that, you know, these bioengineered entities the Atlanteans uh, could have created? Um, I mean, it, yeah, what exactly they are, but it's the, the course of natural selection 
you know, I mean, it's not even the, it, whether if it, even if it produces life on another planet, would it produce a hominin form? Um, and, you know, and the, and the bioengineered in terms of them being created, that's, you know, that's something I saw. It kind of surprised me that they, somebody thought that, but that's what I saw in what, uh, the Soviet Union, a documentary about um, the dissections that the Soviets had done to these um, little creatures that they'd found. And you hear, you know, other parts in the, um, I believe it was the Roswell aliens, where the people said that their their clothing wasn't really worn. It was like built into them, you know, which is another indication of uh, that they were engineered and created and not evolved naturally. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, but just look at the size of the heads. You know, that's not going to be born in the way human beings are born, which is between a female's hips, because the head's just not going to fit the way these bodies are tiny little bodies and big heads. So in terms of the natural birth canal, well, it's not going to, that head's not going to fit through any birth canal of those creatures. So it's another indication these aren't natural creatures. They're created in a lab. Um, that would, you know, that would like be it almost, it would have to be that way. You know, if there are these little creatures, if it is Atlanteans who are the source of this technology, well then, it must be that they were engineered because they're not coming from interstellar travel. And that's really just a guess. You know, the idea that these little creatures are engineered is just a guess. But it kind of fits into this part of the puzzle or this approach to the puzzle. So if the aliens were, or the little green men, were engineered by humans... Uh, right. And, and Like, say, thousands of years ago. Say, like, 10,000 years ago or something like that. Precisely. And now that there are abductions being carried out, um, why would why would these aliens being conducting uh, abductions on non-alien humans? Um, genetic material, you know, consanguinity is um, basically when you marry your cousin. If you if you don't if you don't get genet new if you don't get fresh ma- genetic material from outside your little circle you're going to have genetic um, inbreeding basically they're avoiding inbreeding <laughs> by abducting us and getting fresh genetic material and there's you know there's been a few instances where you know and, they, and you hear about this with the alien abduction all the time they're extracting sperm they're abstracting eggs now whether they're using those for their own reproduction or whether they use genetic material from us to, to bioengineer, you know, evidently they can manipulate the genetic code, um, create whatever they want. So I would say that they're just, they're harvesting needed material. Um, there's some things they can synthesize, but you know, there's some things that they need to get from nature. Same thing with the cattle mutilations. I think they're, they're, they're harvesting needed material from those cattle mutilations. Yeah, and perhaps our lack of knowledge of them is key to their survival. Right. And the men in black are always coming around. Um, you know, I think the men in black are Atlanteans. So they have this odd, because they would be able to learn to speak English, but English wouldn't be their normal language. And a lot of times when people talk about these men in black encounters, they talk about how they have an awkward way of speaking. Well, that would be it if you were just kind of like memorizing a language for that purpose. You know, if you were going to go to Russia and interact with Russians, well, you might memorize some phrases. You're not going to learn the whole Russian language. You'll have just memorized phrases. 
Um, Travis Walton, when he encountered the Atlanteans, was all mad that they wouldn't answer him. Well, they wouldn't have spoken the language. They would have specialists. Um, with this, uh, the guy who lived in the Pentagon, I mean, my guess is they have people who specialize in surface humans, if you will, and they would have to learn the language in order to interact with us. And, um, I can't think of the guy's name in the Pentagon now, but there was the, the famous case of um, the guy who lived in the Pentagon and was supposedly um, kind of watching us, helping us with our nuclear technology. Yeah, and so, the, yeah, they are really, they are interested in our nuclear technology, our weapons, power plants, all that. Yeah, I mean, to, to um, you know, to the degree that we can affect this planet, irradiate the atmosphere, you know, if we were, God forbid, to launch all the thermonuclear weapons we have, that would affect the atmosphere, and that would, you know, they're just not going to... Um, that wouldn't be obviously wouldn't be their interest to uh, to let us destroy their planet. So to the to the degree they can intervene, you know, and there's theories that in 1962 that they actually did with the Cuban Missile Crisis that they actually did try to launch and the launch was shut down. Now that's just speculation, but the idea is that they would, um, you know, they would have they would be in a position now. Especially that one that one test case where they were taking a video of the intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missile being tested, and then they knocked that out of the sky. They would need to test their capabilities to see if they actually would be able to prevent the thermonuclear destruction. So evidently, they have been testing these these various encounters. They have been testing their abilities to interfere with our nukes. Whether they be the ICBMs or launched from the uh, launched from airplanes, and a lot of you know again with these UFOs, USOs, and also a lot of these sightings are seen coming out of the water, you know, not coming from the space, but they're over near the Catalina Island. There's been a lot of sightings of even um, fleets of UFOs coming out of the water, and these um, these sightings tend to be near the trenches, the Puerto Rico Trench, the Catalina Trench, and uh, the Marianas Trench. And my, my guess is that, well, maybe that's where their cities are, entered through the walls of the trenches. Um, there was one alien abduction where the, the medical doctor got abducted, and he said that he saw it. He saw the entrance on the side of the wall of the trench, and they entered into there. And then their cities are like carved out. It's not just hollow earth, you know, that's just, they have hollowed out large spaces where they built their cities. So yeah, some, some Atlanteans still live on earth. You know, they bases on the moon, on Phobos, the uh, planet of Mars. They probably have bases on Mars. So they've expanded out into the solar system, but they come from earth. And they've had what ten, eleven thousand years of research and development time to the um, the tether incident with the famous. Um, they tried to generate energy using a twelve mile tether. Then they got all kinds of um, round things moving in the background. But because they knew the length of the tether was twelve miles, and they knew these things were traveling behind there. They knew these UFOs were like two miles wide. And so, you know, that's what I'm guessing that they built gigantic cities in the sky. And, um, 
you know, they're camouflaged stealth. We're not able to see them, but it looks as if we picked up uh, a bunch of these um, two-mile-wide UFOs on the uh, space shuttle. Caught images of them when they were when the twelve-mile tether broke loose. So it's another famous, or not famous, but another sighting. Yeah, and in fact, interesting you should mention USOs or underground, some unidentified submerged objects. I was going to say underground. Yes. Um, we actually just had a, a case of some lights uh, seen actually in the water over in Northern Ireland, which if you're familiar with Ireland, that's also where there's that weird, uh, you know, lights uh, and, and, and radar stuff going on over there as well in Ireland. So I don't know. Um, there's there's definitely got to be something to that. And as far as the Atlantean civilization, uh, many, you know, or some believe that maybe they were these UFOs or USOs were built by members of the Atlantean civilization. Yes, and they, yeah, it would have, um, you know, make a lot of sense from their point of view after they got hit with that one asteroid that they would... Um, not want that to happen again. <laughs> you know, their civilization was destroyed once when it was on the surface of the Earth, and they think longer term. So, if you're thinking in terms of thousands of years, well, over the course of that time, you know, they're um, they're going to be beneath the surface of the Earth. So, if the Earth does get hit with another asteroid, um, yeah, they'd be more likely to survive. So they um, they look at the uh, I don't know the dangers over the long term. And then, you know, with their cities in the sky, they would be able to avoid um, avoid the destruction of the planet, you know, avoid the destruction if cosmic events were to occur, whether it's asteroid, comet, solar flare. There's lots of things that could happen to, um, to destroy a civilization. So they just live differently now with gigantic cities in the sky, beneath the surface of the Earth, on the moon, keep them safe from uh, these cosmic events. What do you and think? The, um, oh, go ahead. Well, the, the Phoenix Lights craft, you know, again, that's what they describe that as being a mile wide triangular shaped craft. Well, that, you know, you'd be able to fit an awful lot of people living on a craft that size. So they, you know, it's an odd, it's odd to think of it. It's odd for us to think of it, but we live, you know, we live like primates. We live like, you know, creatures, hominids, and they live like advanced advanced Atlanteans in in these craft. So yeah, they would be living their entire lives as it were um, in these craft. What about the possession of evidence and how it it seems to be that, you know, everything that, you know, you and I maybe believe in or at least are open to well just hasn't really been recognized um on a grander stage. Yeah, I mean, originally, you know, everybody say this. Well, in the '40s, they still had that war mindset, and they didn't know if it was a Soviet Union, and there was, you know, there was real dangers um, in terms of, um, you know, a real outbreak of the Cold War could have heated up and become a thubernuclear exchange. So there was, there was a understandable skittishness about relieving, you know, releasing information. You almost you know, operational security, they call it military OPSEC. So, yeah, they're going to maintain operational security. That's just mil- that's what military people do. But now we're at a different phase of humanity. It's not the 1940s. It's not the 1950s. So there's less and less excuse to keep this information secret. 
and there's been a greater push. I mean, the former Senator Harry Reid, you know, there's, you know, he's not, uh, not exactly a conspiracy theorist, but there's, it's that evidence that just can't be denied. The evidence released in December, 2017, these videos, you just can't deny it. And there's behaving in ways that are just impossible in terms of the physics you know, they have evidently a unified field theory. They understand gravity in ways that we just don't understand gravity. So, you know, they're able to move with speeds that are just, you know, 10,000 miles per hour, just beyond anything we're even close to being capable of. And so the military doesn't want, you know, militaries don't like being faced with things that are beyond their capacity to deal with. Um, no, You know, militaries don't like to admit that they're outclassed. And we are just completely outclassed by this technology. So there's that in terms of just a defense posture. You know, there is a, a I kind of say this, a legitimate concern that people would become scared, the panic, you know, and that's what the governor of Arizona said, that he um, he was really worried in what 1997 was a Phoenix Light sighting, that people just, people just did start to panic. Um, you know, but that paternalistic, government daddy, government big brother, saving us from ourselves. I mean, I think those days are over. I think, you know, there's, there's real push for disclosure, real push for confirmation. Um, but I do tend to think that there is something to the evidence. So, yeah, I do think there's evidence somewhere. You know, who knows what the working theory is in the, in the Pentagon? What, you know, what is their theory? What do they think these things do they are they thinking in terms of interplanetary dimensions, time travel? You know, so that's an open question. What what do theorists in the Pentagon think these things are? But they are facts. They're facts in the sky. I mean, they're facts. So, what is the what is the explanation? We may never know the answer to that question, Bobby. Yeah, no, and um, you know, there's right, and there's just um, yeah, I've kind of. Don't figure that there's going to be any uh, straight up confirmation. I mean, they haven't they haven't done so yet. Um, but then, on the other hand, you know, why they you know it wasn't a leak. Those videos of two, December 2017, the ones one was near Puerto Rico, the Puerto Rico trench, and the other video was taken near uh, the Catalina trench. But in December 2017, somebody in the Department of Defense made a decision, or maybe prior to that, but made a decision to release this video. So they're trickling it out little by little. You know, someone somewhere is making decisions to trickle out this information. Um, and there is that idea that they're kind of slowly getting us used to it. You know, the Vatican put out a statement saying, you know, just why would the Vatican do this? <laughs> but the Vatican a couple of few years ago put out a statement saying that, well, if there is inter, how to say, if there is intelligences in other universe, other solar systems, then, you know, the theology still applies, basically. They're trying to kind of prepare people for um, accepting it theologically, you know, which obviously people of faith, fundamentalists, this will rock their world. You know, they're I mean, they're just not, their certain mentalities are just not prepared for having their fundamental views of the world shaken. <laughs> so, yeah, what would this, what would, what would revealing this information do to people of faith? Um, that's a good question. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. It's been a fascinating conversation. Tell hey, us about thanks your for plans. having me. Absolutely. Tell us about your plans uh, for your, for your project. Aliens are from Atlantis. 
Well, I'm I'm getting it together, just cleaning it up, making it more readable. I'm trying not to um, be so much the scientist and kind of do more for a general audience. But it's going to be published as an ebook pretty soon, and I'm working on a a book proposal for um for a publisher, you know, because I want it to be an actual book and not just an ebook. But it should be available on Amazon as an ebook. Aliens are from Atlantis. Um, and it'll be, that'll be the title. It'll be an e-version. That should be available by the end of the week, honestly. I plan on having it up in the marketplace, see what, um, see if there's any interest, you know. But, um, I mean, no, no real original thoughts in my approach. Just putting pieces of the puzzle together, maybe in a slightly different way. But this Atlantis hypothesis has been around. You know, it's just not very, not very popular these days. But it's been around um, all through ufology. It's always been in the background of, you know, maybe that is the explanation. So I think it's time to uh, revisit the Atlantis hypothesis. Um, I'm also going to try to interest Wired magazine into taking a piece because they'll every once in a while they'll take stuff on ufology. So hopefully, to uh, hopefully I'll be getting this to a broader audience. Um, Travis Walton actually gave a talk today at a, a high school in Colorado. I keep trying to interview him, but um, I think I'm going to have to show up in person to ask him about these, uh, what he thinks of the Atlantis hypothesis. Um, but the Stanton Friedman, I bounced it off of Stanton Friedman, the ufologist, and he doesn't, he's more along the lines of other dimensions. He doesn't think uh, the Atlantis hypothesis is really possible. So anyway, we'll see uh, See if I can interest people into uh, into buying the book or you know, just interested in this uh, this answer because I think this is the most scientifically valid answer to this uh, this question of unexplained aerial phenomenon. Anyway, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Again, Bobby Eckert, aliens are from Atlantis. You certainly do have you have history in your favor, and uh, I wish you the best with the with the project. Thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, okay. Thank you again, sir. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's a very interesting. Thing to ponder, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen, along with everything that we've had to digest or dissect tonight here on the program. I know some of you are a bit freaked out by the video that we put up on social media and in the chat room on Spreaker about the UFO video from Turkey in 2009. Um, you can actually see aliens or purported aliens in the craft. So if you're looking for some authentic or some uh, at least out-of-this-world UFO alien video, just go to my Facebook or Twitter page or just search Turkey UFO 2009 and you should be able to find it. It's also up uh, via a link on Bobby's website, aliensarefromatlantis.com. It is definitely, well, can we say out of this world? Certainly we can. And we'll talk to you next week on the program where we'll be discussing with Rocky Smith of the Oregon Ghost Conference tales of early spirits of Oregon along with haunted hotspots. And we'll preview that wonderful event that we'll be broadcasting live from on Saturday, March 30th and Sunday the 31st. The Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I'm Jeremy Scott. Night, night, friends.
Thank you for supporting our advertisers. It keeps the show free for everyone. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How do you like to learn the secret to losing three to five pounds a week without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? It's called Body Sculpt RX. For the last two decades, we've helped countless people lose thousands of pounds. And now... It's your turn. Learn how to lose weight with one simple phone call and no prescription needed. You'll see an amazing difference in a matter of days. Don't believe us? We'll offer you a risk-free money-back guarantee. So if you're ready to start losing weight, call right now and get a free month supply with your first order of Body Sculpt RX. Call now. You have nothing to lose but the pounds. 800-395-4207. 800-395-4207. That's 800-395-4207. You've heard me talking about My Patriot Supply for a while, and things aren't getting any easier. From global conflicts and unstable supply chains, when shelves run on empty, you don't have to panic. Choose peace of mind with their three-month emergency food supply to keep your shelves and your stomach full. In an emergency, you won't have the time, resources, and ingredients to prepare your meals in the way you're used to. But you can get a leg up with My Patriot Supply. It's a three-month emergency food supply. You don't have to skimp. It's ready when you are. It's disaster-proof. And no food boredom here. 20-plus flavorful food and drink varieties. My Patriot Supply is offering a special deal for Into the Parabnormal listeners when you go to parabnormalradio.com slash food. Get your My Patriot Supply today from parabnormalradio.com slash food. That's parabnormalradio.com slash food. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.